Love that song. Take up thy cross and follow close to me. God laid this song on my heart this morning. Am I on, Steve? Yeah, I'm on. And I hope it blesses you like it does me. Trust him on this road I gladly try. He's my friend when I am lonely. He's my one and only. There ain't no one like my do good God. Amen. Really doesn't matter if I'm not living high. I'm glad to get along on meager fare. Never be the one to ever question why Living right beside my Jesus, I'm a millionaire He said he would watch my front, I know he's got my back I started out to reach it and I'm right on track He's never had to pull apart I'm just walking with my do-good God He's my shelter when I'm cold my shoulder when I'm low And the storm has always been my lightning rod He's the shoes upon my feet The food I have to eat There ain't never been another like my Do good God He's my listener when I'm talking My leader when I'm walking I trust Him on this road I gladly trod He's my friend when I am lonely He's my one and only There ain't no one like my do-good God He's my shelter when I'm cold My shoulder when I'm low And the storm has always been my life and God He's the shoes upon my feet The food I have to eat There ain't never been another like my do-good God He's my listener when I'm talking my leader when I'm walking I trust him on this road I gladly trod He's my friend when I am lonely He's my one and only There ain't no one like my do good God He's my friend when I am lonely He's my one and only There ain't no one like my do good No one like my do good No one like my do good
Well, thank you guys. Do good, good God, I tell you. <laughs> well, if you brought your Bible this morning, we're going to look at several passages of Scripture. I want to begin first by reading out of Romans chapter 8, and then we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and then we'll look at John 16, and then there's about eight more. <laughs> but we'll look at Romans chapter 8 first. And then uh, we'll look at verse 5, uh, verse 5 through 11. Romans chapter 8, then 1 Corinthians 3. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Now that's an important phrase in the spirit but in the spirit if so that the spirit of God dwell in you now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his and if Christ be in you the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Now, if you will, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we want to look at verse 16 and verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. There it is again. The Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man defile the temple of God, or corrupt the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy which temple ye are. Now, if you will, look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And we want to look at verse 5 and following. John 16. John 16, verse 5. But now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples... But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whether goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. 
A few weeks ago, I shared a sermon about the difference between a fan of Jesus and are a committed follower of Jesus. A fan of Jesus is someone who's made a decision to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow Jesus. Uh, Jesus is looking for more than words of belief. He's looking to see how His Word is lived out in our lives. The point is this, when we decide to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow Jesus, we become nothing more than just a fan of Jesus. Now remember, belief and follow go together. You, you, you can't have one without the other. You can't have belief, salvation belief, without a commitment to follow Jesus. You can't have a commitment to follow Jesus, of course, without belief. So truly, to truly believe in Jesus is to follow Jesus. Now, to follow Jesus, you must be spirit-filled. So this morning, I want to share with you a sermon I just entitled, Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, not long ago, Mike Norton taught a discipleship course about the Holy Spirit. Several weeks. And then recently, Kyle Taylor began teaching the Baptist faith and message, taking each article of the Baptist faith and message. And he dealt with, in in doing that, he was dealing with what Baptists believe and why we believe it. And then he taught what we believe about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so today I want us to look at the importance of a Spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. Spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. So first of all, a follower of Jesus Christ has the person of the Holy Spirit living in them and empowering them. Amen. That's key. Acts chapter 1, you can jot this verse down, but Acts chapter 1, and I'll read it, a familiar verse. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, Jesus says, But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now can you imagine how the disciples felt listening to Jesus talk with them, speak to them, And he was speaking to them about leaving them. And all of a sudden, he's taken up from them with a cloud. Now, it's one thing to follow Jesus while he's with you, where you can see him and where you can touch him and where you can just talk to him. I mean, he's there in front of you. And it's kind of exciting, no doubt, for those disciples to be with Jesus and to have him in their presence and for them to be in his presence. But now in verse 9, he just disappears in a cloud out of their sight. And so the question is, how do you follow him when he's not not here to lead you? I mean, he's gone. So how do you follow him? Jesus says you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
Now here's the point. Fans of Jesus tried to follow Jesus out of their own strength. But committed followers of Jesus are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a big difference. Amen. If you're a fan of Jesus and there's no commitment there, you're just trying to follow Jesus out of your own strength. Sometimes you don't feel like it and you don't follow. But a committed follower of Jesus follows Jesus out of the power of the Holy Spirit or by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in John chapter 16, remember what he said in verse 7. John 16, I believe, verse 7. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus is having his, one of his last conversations with his disciples before his arrest, before his crucifixion. And he's trying to prepare them about his suffering and about his death. But they're in this stage of denial. They, they don't want to accept what Jesus is sharing. But this is what he says there in verse 7. He says, nevertheless... I know you're upset. I know these things upset you. But nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Jesus said this, It is better for me to leave because when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come to you. And that's better. It's better for me to leave... Because when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and that's better. Now, the question I ask was, why would that be better? I mean, Jesus with you, that's pretty good. You see, in the Old Testament, you read about God being with man. God being with Abraham, God being with Moses, God being with Joseph, God being with Elijah. And then when you turn to the New Testament, there's a prepositional change there. Instead of God being with man, you have God in man. Think of that. God in man. The Old Testament says God with us. New Testament says God in us. I like what Kyle Alderman said in his book, uh, Not a Fan. He says, Jesus says, It's better for you if I go because God with you is good. But God in you is better. God in you. God with you is good. God in you is better. And so we are His temple. We are, we are, his, we are his sanctuary. I, I remember when the building, previous building was blown away and my brother-in-law stood up the cross and Katie was walking around there and I said, well, let's put up a sign. And she said, okay. And Lionel put up the cross and then put the drape over the cross out there, you know, in the little grassy area between the education building and the sanctuary. And, and, I, and, I, and so Katie wrote the scripture. She wrote this scripture, Know ye not that you are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
The building was not the temple of God. This is not the temple of God. The new building's not going to be the temple of God. Amen. We are the temple of God. We are His sanctuary. God in us. Amen. God lives in us. That'll be a place to worship. That'll be a worship center, a worship room, a place of worship. But that's not the sanctuary. That's not the temple according to God. We are the temple. We house God. He is in us. Jesus could be with his followers, but the Holy Spirit can be in his followers. Have you ever thought... And Kinderman mentioned this. He said, have you ever thought how it would, what it would have been like to, and I've thought of this, how, how it would have been to, to have been like Abraham and, and hear God's voice? Abram, go to a place that I'll show you. Talk about Moses, a voice coming from a burning bush. And I've often wondered what it would have been like to hear, uh, hear the voice of God like Abraham and, and Moses and, and David and Elijah. What it would have been like to have heard God. Can, can you imagine when we get to heaven how we'd say to Abraham, Abraham, tell me what it's like to, to have heard God's voice. And Abraham said, no, no, that's not. Uh, I want you to tell me what it's like to have God in you. Amen. Or David, what was it like to, to hear God and to have God instruct you in regards to the, the killing of the giant Goliath? And he said, no, no, tell me what it's like to have God in you. What's that like? Or Elijah. Elijah, tell me how it felt when you destroyed the prophets of Baal. And, and Elijah said, no, tell me what it's like to have God in you. Moses, what was it like falling a cloud by day and fire by night? And Moses could say something like this, Man, I had to climb a mountain to meet with God. Tell me what it's like to dwell with Him every day. Brother Sammy, tell me what it's like for the Holy Spirit to give you direction every day and guidance and tell you what to do and where to go. Amen. What's it like to have God in you? So to be a Christian, when you become a committed follower of Jesus Christ, you receive from God the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that promise is to everyone, to all who put their faith and trust in Him. So the question today to the Christian is not have you received the power of the Holy Spirit or the promise in Acts chapter 1, but have you assessed it? Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit in your daily life? Or are you living in your own strength? Galatians 3 verse 3 says this, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul, Paul preached the message there in he preached the message of grace to the church at Galatia and, and they responded, they repented, they believed the gospel, they, they committed themselves to be followers of Jesus Christ, they accepted the free gift of eternal life. Paul leaves for another city. While he's gone, Judaizers came in and they began to preach the people back to the law. 
The emphasis was about hard work and human effort rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? The point is, trying to live the Christian life out of your own efforts. How foolish. That's so foolish. How ridiculous. You can't do it. That's foolish. Ridiculous. So to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you must be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you must admit your weaknesses. Now it's difficult to admit your weaknesses. Most of us try to disguise our weaknesses. You see, the most dreaded question on a job interview is what is your greatest weakness? Um, Let me just give you a hint. If you want hired, don't put anything down on that. (laughs) Don't say, well, I'm always late for work, or I just hate computers, or don't even know how to turn one on, or I'm a procrastinator, but I get it done eventually. I'll get it, I'll get it, just leave it blank. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to hear God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, or verse 7 says, And lest I should be exalted. This is where Paul received the thorn to humble him. He says, And least in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it depart from me. Verse 9, 2 Corinthians 12. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you have to admit your weaknesses. Paul speaks about how acknowledging our weaknesses makes room for Christ's power in our life. Here's the point. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit shines a light on our weaknesses. A fan of Jesus finds it hard to do. To admit their weakness. A fan of Jesus wants everyone to know their strength. But don't want anyone to find out about their weakness. But a committed follower of Jesus admits his weaknesses. In order to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Christians. The Christians in Galatia. They stopped living in the Spirit's power and they started depending on themselves for their salvation. Paul said, that is so foolish, ridiculous. Galatians 3.3 Paul says, this is what you need to do. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Listen, Galatians chapter 5. Jot down verse 25. Paul said, this is what you need to do. If we live in the Spirit... 
let us walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 is speaking about someone walking. And every step they take, they take in the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Now let me just say this. You can't live in the Spirit or by the power of the Spirit if you only acknowledge His presence one day a week. And that's at church on Sunday. You're going to be powerless the rest of the week. So be it, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you must be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you must admit your weaknesses. Then third, and I'll close with this. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you must make room for the Spirit by emptying yourself. Now, when I have less of me in my life, then there's more room for Him less of me. The more he fills me, the less room there is for me. The more he fills me with his spirit, the less there is of my pride and my selfishness and my, my impatience and my lust and the list goes on and on. Bill Bright said it this way. He refers to being filled with the Holy Spirit as spiritual breathing. He says, you exhale and you breathe out the clutter in your life. You exhale, God, forgive me. Forgive me of this sin and for this sin and for this sin. And I repent of this sin. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. So you exhale and you breathe out the clutter. You make room for the Spirit to fill you. And when you inhale, you breathe in and you pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you surrender the control of your life to Him. You breathe out, you repent. You inhale, and you pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then suddenly, you're in a continual prayer for the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Isn't that awesome? So to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you must be indwelt. You must admit your weakness. You must make room for the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you this. Today, are you just a fan of Jesus? Are you being burned out by trying to live the Christian life and, and you're living it, trying to live it in your own effort? Are, are you dependent on your own strength to follow Christ? Or as a follower, we need to remember that, that we're never alone in our journey. Why is that? Because He's in us. In us. And then we need to remember to keep in step with the Spirit. And He will supernaturally give us power and the strength that we need in our life. Now, let me, let me just throw this out to you. What happens when all these points come together? And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we're filled and we're empowered with His Holy Spirit. What happens when we're indwelt by the Spirit? Spirit lives in us. And then along with that comes, we begin to admit our weaknesses. Not try to hide any of them. 
And then along with that, we begin to empty ourselves to give more room for the Spirit. What happens? What do you think would happen? Kyle Alderman, in his book, he sent out a question to some seminary students. And he just, not a question, but a statement. And he says, when you put those three together, you're indwelt by the Spirit. He says, you admit your weakness, you empty yourselves, give more room for the Spirit. And then he made this statement, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all he said. Within 24 hours, he received 100 emails. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I finally forgave my dad. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I lost 150 pounds and quit smoking. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I overcame drug addiction. Now let me ask you, if you put all three of those together in your life, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, have you asked Christ to come into your life and say, is He living in you? The Bible says that if He is, then you're part of Him. He's part of you. And then if He's not, then you're not part of Him. He's not part of you. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit. What happened if you'd start admitting, we'd start admitting our, admitting our weaknesses? What would happen making room for the Spirit to fill us like we need to be filled? What would happen? What would happen? You think we'd reconcile with somebody? If we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, living a spirit-filled, power, a spirit-power life, powerful life, you think we'd be faithful? Think we'd have our devotion time? What would happen if we put all those three together? Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had this morning just to consider. Lord, being empowered by the Holy Spirit in our life. And Lord, when you went away, you felt as though that it was better for us for you to leave and to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would be in each believer. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is to empower us. For your word teaches us that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Help us to realize this morning what, it's, what it would do to us if we made a decision today. What would happen in our lives, in the lives of our family and friends and neighbors Lord, that if we just put those three things together, what a difference it would make. 
I pray for every person here this morning. I pray for those perhaps that are here and, Father, they've never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. They, they've never committed themselves to be a follower of yours. They've never believed in Jesus and committed themselves to follow him. And so, Father, I pray this morning that when we have this invitation, as your Holy Spirit speaks to hearts, that your Holy Spirit will move in the lives of people and they'll make life-changing decisions this morning. And I pray today, Father, that uh, just in the quietness of this time, we'd be willing to put all three of those together and be able to do things that we thought we would never be able to do. And I pray, Lord, that we might depend upon the power of your Holy Spirit to make those changes in our lives. And, Lord, that we just lay aside our own strength and stop trying to do things ourselves. Lord, it's easy to do, to try to do things in our own strength, but help us to realize the power's not in us, but the power's in you. And those things that we desire so much in our life, those life changes that we need so much in our life, we can't do in our own strength. But Lord, we just pray that we'll allow you to, to do the things for us through your power, your strength. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.